Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> my name mentioned a couple of shows back. I'm going to tell you what a great little show you have here. I enjoy it thoroughly. Rick and Danny, you are both funny guys and very knowledgeable about your subject matter. I seriously doubt it. But if anyone says anything negative about the Hail Me Power Hour, you let me know. And I'll hunt that rat bastard down and give him a f***ing smack. Anyways, like I said, love the show. Thank you for all the hard work you put into it. Big D out. Hello there, Deadites. Welcome back to... The Hellman Power Hour. And here to bust some skulls, my partner, Danny Bennett. That's right. For all of you Sam Raimi fans out there, we have a special, special episode for you because it's going to be all about... Chud too. <laughs> hey, it's a modern classic. It's right up there with a Christmas Carol. So yes, the incredible Sam Raimi, Evil Dead One, and Evil Dead Two, 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 Two. And you may or may not know this, but you probably do that it's a trilogy, ending with Army of Darkness. Yep. We just don't have right. enough time to cover all three. Well, yeah, and, and Army of Darkness is a different movie entirely. Right. You've got a segue there. I mean, Evil Dead was a horror film. Uh, Evil Dead 2 was kind of a a re-attempt at that horror film with a lot more humor. And then Army of Darkness was a lot more humor and a lot less horror. But they're all fantastic. And when they fit together, they they really fit together well. And these movies are really is the building of an icon. This is where you see Bruce Campbell become Bruce Campbell. That's right, as Ash. Right. So everybody's still liking what we're doing, man. We're... Just having a blast with it. Trying to find time to get together and do something to please you, the listeners. We want you to be pleased. Well, I mean, want you to be pleased. Yeah. Oh. I, I don't care, really, but Danny's got a big heart. It's pretty big. Sometimes <laughs> it comes out my chest, like like when, Quato. When Zusa pulls it from across the room. That's right. Or, or like Quato, when it starts talking and stuff. <laughs> Open your mind. Help, he's lost his mind. Was was Quato in the remake of that movie? Remake of what movie? Total Recall? I don't think so. I don't remember anything being in the remake of Total Recall. I don't recall the remake of Total Recall. Oh, well played. Enough yakking. We're going to get on with it. We're going to break off into Evil Dead number one. Be right back. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Hello, this is...
This is Dr. Claw, and you are listening to the Hail Ming Power Hour. I'll get you next time, Gadget. Next time. All right, we're back. And this is a movie to me that this is a big one for me. This this made me want more horror movies. And we're talking about the 1981 Evil Dead. The reason we decided to start talking about these is recently the original Evil Dead's been getting a lot of flack here lately. People have been talking about it, saying how crappy it looks, all these kind of things. So uh, what I want to do first is kind of take you back in time, right? So I'm going to take you back to the age of the early 80s where this movie came out totally independent. This is a bunch of college kids driving to Tennessee and making a movie. So when you think of perspective like that, man, you go grab a camera and try to make a movie this good that has this kind of impact. It's near impossible. A handful of people did it. John Carpenter, Sam Raimi, Peter Jackson, Ron Jeremy. Hail Ming. Ron Jeremy. I don't know that he grabbed a camera. He grabbed something, though. <laughs> so I just, uh, again, that's why we're here is to defend these movies. This one is a pot of gold. This really changed the way movies were being made from here on out. So uh, you can make fun of it, call it cheap all you want. It does not matter. This movie is important. Well, and, and you can say that you know it was because of the timing, because it was early, and, and nowadays it would be harder to make a splash. And that's true. But think about it. Now people are making movies with a whole lot more money and a whole lot more resources. And what they come up with, you know, a lot of times I mean, is just polished crap. I mean, it they, they're making these these horror movies that all look the same. You know the cinematography is is good but you know it doesn't have the innovation that that Sam Raimi had to to execute in order to make his his college film you know something that still today you watch and you go man I I'm affected by what I'm watching you know the the camera goes everywhere the the characters you know they they might have the the trappings of I'm going to put my hands on the side of my face and something's going to come rushing at me but just everything that surrounds those cliched horror moments. There are things that, that make the, the movie as a whole. You know, it's got humor. It's got a cheesy camp to it. It's got bad dialogue, but it, it doesn't matter because, you know, how about Cabin in the Woods came out yep. just a couple of years ago? You know, and admittedly, it was something that stole from horror movies because of the type of film it was. It was intended to kind of poke fun at the entire horror genre. Right. But, what did it pull the most from? Evil did. Evil did. And you know, it's an example of what you could do with 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 a great big budget and and a really um, innovative mind. You know, which I, I would say Joss Whedon has. And you know, taking something that Sam Raimi started and just building on it because you know it, it's a simple concept, but he did things with it that that spiral it in different directions that, that make it a better movie than the sum of its parts. Yep. And there's so many things to talk about just in the first movie alone that uh, there's just no way we'll cover it all. But uh, we'll do our best. Um, have an infinite love for this movie. Oh, gosh, I don't even know what to say. It's Evil Dead. Good grief. So It's uh, Evil Dead. Yeah. So uh, keep that stuff in mind if you ever go and check this movie out. It's just a bunch of college kids with a camera making a movie. And I dare anybody else to do it. So they do it and as it, well. And if you just decide to get froggy, find the, the one with the commentary and listen to Rob Tappert and Sam Raimi yes. uh, you know, talk about the making of the movie because it'll give you a new appreciation for the for the, the labor of love that it was and all the struggles that it had. And the fact that they all kept a, a they were all chipper about it. They all kept a really good attitude. And yeah. it helped them to forge a friendship that's lasted through dozens of movies and, and different TV shows and production companies. I mean, they've, they've done a lot with what they started there, but it all started with that project in that cabin in the Tennessee woods. Right. So it's just like Romero with the zombies. You kind of have to go back and realize that it all started there. Same thing here. 
we've seen Evil Dead in all kinds of different variations, all kinds of formats, and when it really comes down to it, this is the granddaddy of them. I mean, yeah, you can do it better looking and stuff now, but this is where it started. Such an original idea. The only movie that had any kind of possession like this was your exorcist type stuff. So this really broke the rules. So let's get into it. For a synopsis, here's Disney's favorite or our favorite Disney character, Mickey Mouse. The Evil Dead, a 1981 film. Rated uh, 85 minutes. Fantasy, horror. Five friends travel to a cabin in the woods where they unknowingly release flash-possessing demons. 7.6 out of 10, hot dog. It's got the famous actor, you guessed it, Stu Smith. Hey Ash, where are we? Well, we just crossed the Tennessee border. All right. Oh dear. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mickey. Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Mickey. <laughs> and Evil Dead has a special distinction of being, you know, just groundbreaking in so many ways. And we've talked before about how Sam Raimi makes a well-rounded picture. He always adds humor. He always adds drama. He always adds a lot of fun. To whatever he makes, even when it's you know, covered in blood, right? And that the proof is the, is this student project really that he made um, under horrible conditions, and it still ends up being just not only something that that has withstood the test of time, but it also just is unlike anything you've seen. Right. Uh, to me, it's just a staple of what everybody's tried to recreate time and time again. Even with the zombies and everything, we've ripped this movie off so many times. And uh, sometimes you have to go back and appreciate where it all came from. Like you were saying, it's a student film. These are a bunch of kids making a movie. So I hate when I hear people start tearing this movie down because let's you grab a camera and go out with no money and make a movie better than this that even messed Stephen King up. So, uh, yeah, it's dated, but... These kids were basically driving down to a grocery store and buying stuff to make the effects with. That's how bare-knuckled little rascals filmmaking this thing was, man. It's just a bunch of kids piled in a car, drive to Tennessee, find an empty house that a bunch of cows had gotten in and crapped in. They scraped it all out and shot this movie. And, you know, with that being said, I think it's important to say that if you get the opportunity, watch this with the commentary. Oh yes, because the commentary is is fantastic. It's incredible, and just all the backstory behind it. Because they were so young and they did have so little to work with, it's a great story. Yeah, and you know I'm glad you mentioned the Little Rascals connection because you know later when Sam Raimi made the Little Rascals series, he made sure to add you know all the the stuff that he learned. You know all the the sight gags and right and Spanky was actually you know used in the same way they had the same fat suit as the um as the grandmother from the basement that's right so you remember folks when you're watching little rascals the old, the old series when they say join us it came from evil dead evil dead hell ming <laughs> i mean it doesn't predate it 81's a long time ago y'all right so let's talk about uh, the reasons this movie is awesome number one reason to watch this movie man the groundbreaking camera work in this thing no camera works have ever been done like this at this point. And it took little Sam Raimi and a cheap camera that he kind of stole from college to come up with these incredible effects that had never been done before. That alone is, you know, when, when I think of Sam Raimi, I think of these incredible camera movements. Yeah, I don't want to get too technical into this, but I'm just going to say that they, they called the camera, you know, they didn't have money for a steady cam, so they called it the shaky cam. And what they did is, you know, they, they took it and strapped it to a board. Yeah. And then they did things like like play the scene in reverse, and they, they started where they were going to end the shot um, so that they could zoom in and stop. I mean, it's simple stuff, but it ends up looking like he had a lot more equipment than he did. Yeah. Strapping it to the front of a motorcycle and driving with the with the cameras on the front of the bike, and then like you said, backing it up in reverse and just getting this really cool effect. Then adding the sound effect with it. 
I mean, even today, when you watch the new series or even the the remake movie, that sound and that look is still a big part of what is it? What makes that movie what it is? And uh, it just goes in, hand in hand with what I think of when I think of these movies. Filmmaking aside, just to talk about the movie itself. You know, it starts out with friends heading to a cabin in the woods, and they're just driving down this narrow highway, and they nearly get hit by this truck. And it's just, it's again, it's great cinematography. They, they had inside, the, the, they had a conversation going on. They had tension building. And then, you know, they almost get hit by a truck, and it's, they start screaming at the guy. The guy says, hey, and just drives away. It's, But it kind of sets the stage for the whole thing to come around. It's like everybody's having a good time, but there's something looming right. from the very first shot. So, again, just great storytelling. Another great reason to watch this movie, it breaks all the horror rules. When the music builds up and you think something's going to happen, it doesn't happen. When it gets really quiet, that's when things happen. The car is not supposed to start. It starts. It breaks all of those rules that we've seen time and time again in these horror movies, and it just flips it on its ear. Yeah, and the um, just the whole premise of the thing. I mean, that the, the monsters. I wouldn't say that the monster in the movie shows up immediately. You know, breaking that rule, but the presence is never really given a face. Right. You know, it it is just kind of a, a possession. And it takes on the faces of all the the people, you know, taking the vacation in the cabin and turns them against each other by, by possessing, you know, one at a time. Yep. And the possession. I mean, the, the, think about the, the floating off the ground oh, scene. Yeah. You know, just everything about this movie is, is worth watching. And, you know, you take your critical eye from today's special effects and, and, and turn it in on itself because... This stuff still looks good. Yeah, it's it's kind of become a classic, and people kind of say it's supposed to be funny. The first one was not funny. Uh, it's just again, it's it's barbarian filmmaking. It's a bunch of kids buying milk in a jug and turning it into a, an effect in a scary movie. And uh, the most expensive thing they had was the uh, the contact lenses that they had in their eyes. They couldn't see. So that's another thing, too. You think about the, what these people went through making this movie. When they put those lenses in, they could only keep them in for like 10 minutes at a time, or they would go blind. When they had them in, they couldn't see anything, so they were just acting blind. And even Christopher Lee didn't like wearing those big glass, no. you know, uh, Dracula contact lenses for the same reason. They, they messed up your eye. They made it so you couldn't see, but that's all they had. And we all know about Christopher Lee, don't we, kids? <laughs> That's right. They like Christopher Lee. Kids like Christopher Lee. Well, yeah. He's nine feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> Next reason I got to watch this movie, bookshelves. Man, Ash gets thrown into, I don't know, 10 or 12 bookshelves in this movie. And they keep falling on him and making him unable to fight, basically. Well, I mean, it, it was a professor that, you know, was, was up there at that cabin, and professors have a lot of books. So, you know, you got to have lots of bookshelves in your cabin mm. way out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> That's easily like a closet, a bathroom, and a living area. And a fruit cellar. And the fruit cellar. That's right. Don't forget that. Oh, yeah. The next I had, the you will die scene is, to me, just iconic. You will die. You know, like you said, she's when the girl's playing the cards and she starts naming off what the cards are and she turns around and starts floating and the voice changes and stuff. You know, it's it's kind of an exorcist ripoff in a way, but it's done so differently. And, and again, haven't seen this anywhere else. It's your sister, Cheryl. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, for what for those of you who haven't seen it and aren't going to go see it because... You don't know your ass from a hole in the ground. <laughs> what he's talking about is there's a scene where you know they're they're playing a game to guess what card comes up next, kind of an ESP game, and you know they're guessing the cards, and then she's getting them all wrong, and but from across the room, a Cheryl who has been uh, earlier was had an encounter with the the demon force from outside in the woods, and you know, she starts naming off the next card and the next card and the next card and she starts out you know just ace of spades queen of hearts jack of diamonds you know she and, and it gets louder and louder and it becomes some presence 
and then you know she turns around and and there's the the demon scene where she tells them all you know that they're in for it that's right and how does she get possessed it's it's kind of like what the movie is really really known for and that's the uh the tree rape scene i don't know how else to put it uh a woman gets raped by some trees folks thanks sam Raimi. i mean yeah. uh, I, i'll never unsee that now and it's not laughable <laughs> it it it's a it's pretty disturbing i think yeah, yeah. Bruce Campbell talks about um, that a little bit in his book, um, "If Chins Could Kill." He he talks about the. He's got a chapter called "The Super Eight Days," and he talks about making the precursor to that scene yep. where he had you know they did like stop motion you know vines and and plants attacking people in a short film that they made. And then they just did it you know this time and they you know they added a rape. Yeah, how the uh, the woods kind of invade this this poor girl who's uh, up there for this vacation that she probably didn't even want to go to because if she knew, then she probably wouldn't have gone. Next reason I got just the crazy gore. I mean, this is the first movie where I saw just buckets of blood, crazy things going on, people being set on fire and pulled out of the fire, and the the girl biting her own hand off and all that stuff. <laughs> It's just crazy over-the-top stuff, man. The hand-biting scene still to me is just... It's a definite fast-forward moment. You've got to stop and watch that part because even today, there's nothing like that in a movie anywhere. Another reason to watch this movie, I like to call it the Wes Craven connection. So the story goes, what you need to look for when you're watching Evil Dead, it's kind of in the beginning part. They go down the fruit cellar, they find the gun. They find the Kandarian knife. They find the book. And over on the side is a poster. And the poster is kind of ripped. And that poster is from a movie called The Hills Have Eyes, which is a Wes Craven classic. Story goes, Sam Raimi is a huge fan of The Hills Have Eyes. And in the movie The Hills Have Eyes, there's a scene where there's this big rape Situation that goes on in this RV, and there's a poster on the wall. It's a Jaws poster, or it's supposed to be a Jaws poster, and the poster gets ripped. So Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, all these years, thought that Wes Craven was saying Jaws is pop horror. So he's like ripping that poster, showing that what you're seeing is real horror. So when they made Evil Dead, there's a Hills Have Eyes poster that's ripped, basically saying the Hills Have Eyes. Is pop horror. What you're seeing is real horror. Well, Wes Craven went and seen Evil Dead, and this even bleeds over into Evil Dead 2 as well, but Wes Craven saw Evil Dead and asked him, hey, why was that poster in there? Well, we thought, you know, this poster and it's ripped and it means this, and Wes Craven's like, no, it didn't really mean that at all, but they kind of ran with it. If you watched Nightmare on M Street, which is the next movie Wes Craven did, Nancy is watching evil dead to stay awake so he kind of tipped the hat back at them for doing a little homage to him and in evil dead too we'll go ahead and talk about it for a second but they uh there's a scene where they go out to the work shed and over the door is a freddy krueger glove hanging down so they kind of do this back and forth thing kind of friendly situation so i call that the west craven connection because it's just cool how they uh kind of tip the hat to each other over the stuff well, and how cool do you have to be to get into a you know a, a back and forth with Wes Craven? Right, that's pretty awesome. It could have been Deadly Friend. That could have been his next movie. So how did they stuck a robot girl you know over the doorway? That could have been ugly. Was that Helen Slater? Uh, uh, Linda Brayer. Helming. Uh, Linda Brayer. <laughs> Linda Brayer. Well, I mean, and I think we we've, we've missed something here. One of the reasons to watch this movie is the Necronomicon. Sure. I mean, this this thing that was put together by an art student friend of uh, of Sam Raimi's, who, who we got the fortune to meet. Yes, sure enough. If you look on the pages there, on the Facebook pages, there's some pictures of us with him holding the book. He's reading us the stories out of the Necronomicon. Now, what I will say is that later that night wasn't a great story because after we read the Necronomicon, well, you know, the hotel room got attacked by a spectral force and I got raped by some trees 
and the ghoulies came out. Helming. Yeah, they came out of the toilet. It gets you in the end. Then <laughs> Charles Band showed up. Well, you know, he's bound to do that sooner or later. But again, the, the Necronomicon, you know, it, it, the pages were illustrated by this guy, and the skin on the outside of it, you know, he used that, he used melting plastic bags to make that effect. He was saying, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it, but it ends up looking great, and it shows up in all three of the movies. That's right. I have one on my shelf. <laughs> I have one too. Kanda. <laughs> so I, I don't understand what the the issue is with this movie. You've got to remember it's 1981. It's low, low budget. It's a bunch of college kids driving to Tennessee from Michigan to make a movie. I dare you to pick up a camera and make a movie as ineffective as this one. That's true, and they couldn't take it back home and digitally enhance or add effects to it either. All the effects were practical. Um, they did some projection effects, um, but most of it was, you know, splatter packets and and uh, syringes shooting fluids and, you know, camera angles. It was all the things you had to do to make those things happen now. And now you can put it on a computer and you can add whatever you want. Right. And nothing against computers. I mean, we use them for our podcast. <laughs> it's a fantastic resource, but they didn't have it. And I think watching it with that in mind, you have to realize just how genius the movie making was. Well, not only that, but thinking of being that age, being 21, 22 years old, grabbing a camera, grabbing your friends, and just going and making a movie. And it comes out to be this iconic movie that it shook up the system. It made all the big people in Hollywood now realize at a young age that they could pick up a camera and make a movie. That's what it did. It made everybody realize that they can make a movie. You don't have to go to school, all that kind of stuff. All you need is a good camera and an imagination. But it, it falls back. It falls back to the fact that Sam Raimi, and I'm going to have to give him just a boatload of credit, is that he is a storyteller. Right. And he makes a well-rounded story. So you know, even if it's not the best horror or the funniest movie, or the best acting, he wraps it all up in a package, and when you open it, it's like Christmas morning. <laughs> With an axe through the skull. Well, it's a pretty twisted Christmas morning, but it's still Christmas morning. Oh, and I've got to bring that up, too. The shot where the girl's walking over to her and, and to, to Bruce Campbell, and the guy's going, hit it, hit it. And that scene where he drops her with that axe... Is still awesome. I know it's a dummy, but just the fact of seeing the axe making contact with that thing and dropping it, uh, it just blows me away every time I see it. It to me, it's almost as powerful as Leatherface with the with the mallet hitting the guy in the head. It's got that same appeal to me. Wow, that's well, yeah, let, we talk about Leatherface. That's that's a that's a moment in in movie making that you're never going to replicate. Right, right. And I just think this is one of those moments because you don't expect to see it. You expect to see the camera pull away. And you can tell it's Axe hitting this some kind of force and, and dropping it to the ground. And uh, I just always said, wow. And it's also the first movie where I saw total body dismemberment. The arms and the legs laying there and they're flopping on the ground and all that stuff. Just crazy over the top effects that they didn't know how to do them. They were just making it happen. And it's the first time I've ever seen anything like that. Again, you know, your scary movies of the time were your Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw, which was pretty much bloodless. Uh, Halloween, you got the first Friday the 13th, maybe at this time. That's it. As far as big, iconic horror movies. This movie changed everything first time you saw those kind of effects in a movie yeah i mean and and i didn't see evil dead until much later i mean in 81 i was seven so i didn't watch it i didn't see it when it first came out but years later i was in high school and my my stepfather um was talking about it and we we ended up renting it or something and i stayed home from school one day and watched it and it's still, you know, 10 years later, it still was like nothing I had ever seen before. You know, when you have things like like the killer movies, you have 
uh, Friday the Thirteenth, or or even Nightmare on Elm Street that has a you know it has a mystical property to it with the the Dream Warriors, but with with Evil Dead it was some kind of force. It was never given a body. It wasn't an an enemy that you could put a face on. It just came and did whatever it wanted to. Yeah, and and the people were just kind of powerless against it. And they were trapped there, right. and it was a really—it's a really frightening concept. I don't, I don't know how they changed the concept to make it into the movie that it ended up becoming because people left or whatever. I'd kind of like to know what the original script was going to be, but just the idea of those people trapped in that cabin, and you know, the cabin like itself, right? When they pull up to it, and the and the front porch has that swing mm-hmm. that's banging into it, right? And it just stops. There's nothing to it, right. but it's still extremely disconcerting because it sets up that rhythm. It right. sets up that the wind is blowing it, and all of a sudden it just stops. Well, you put yourself in that situation. If you walked up this place you've never been, and that happens, you shouldn't go inside. That's just you know common sense. Yeah, well, but you wouldn't have a movie how if you unnatural. Didn't. It points out how unnatural it is. Right. Evils abound even before they step foot in the place. Even before they play the recording, that unleashes the the thing you know the, it's still in the woods it's just waiting to be evoked at that point right <laughs> it's like a big egg hatching out of the ground with smoke and light and it yeah. comes up out of the ground and it just travels along the ground and the the music and the sound effects that go along with it it's yeah like that that's exactly it <laughs> It's just like that night after we read the Necronomicon. That's right. And the ghoulies. The ghoulies, man, they, they'll get you in the end. They don't mess around. <laughs> ghoulies. <laughs> they'll bite your ass. What, what was that what that guy said? Like, yeah. initially, before they turned it to, they'll get you in the end? <laughs> it's like... Oh, and another thing, too, because we're talking about possession here. This is the first movie where you saw multiple people get, getting possessed. I can't think of any other movie where this attack of being possessed ever happened before. You had the priest that got, you know, the demon to jump out of out of Reagan into him in the exorcist, but for the evil to just jump from person to person and you never know who's in, who's out has never been done before. You can't think of movies like Demons or any of your 28 days later, all this stuff where this virus just automatically hits them, then bang, they change in this thing. This was the start of all that. This just happens to be demons possessing them. Yeah, without this, you wouldn't have Superman 3. That's right. Helming. Because, you know, Black Kryptonite was, was, it was just the demon from the Necronomicon. That's all it was. Needless to say... There's a list of movies that was banned in England for years. This was on that list, and for good reasons. You know, yes, it's super dated, but I still say that if you sit by yourself in a room with the lights off and watch this movie and never seen it before, it can mess you up. I have to agree. I think it still has a lot of visual effects that are not just entertaining, but... They can be truly frightening. I right. mean, it's got a lot of points in it that are just really unnerving. Yep. Legitimately. And I'll even say the remake is pretty dang good. I know it got a lot of hate. So it's kind of a weird situation because you've got the original that people don't like because they think it's dated. Then you get the remake, which is a revisioning. It's a lot scarier according to today's standards. But people hated it because it wasn't the old evil dead so this is a prime example of the problem we have of remaking these movies you can do the effects better but it's still missing something that that makes the original so powerful and uh i enjoyed the remake i thought it was good i did too i I thought it was a great remake i'm glad that they put their stamp of approval on it but i'll take the first one any day I'm going to watch it right now (laughs) i'm going to watch it i'm going to do a paper run right now so all you folks on the Facebook page, show some love for Evil Dead. Put some pictures and stuff out there, man. Because I think it's getting to a point to where it's getting bashed a little bit, and it deserves our respect. That's all I got to say about that. Hey, devoted hunters. You're here with Ghost Hunters, 
The locals say this little cabin in the woods is a haunted place. Well, sounds right up our alley. Let's see if these claims are true. I have some very sensitive equipment that should sense cold and shifts in air. Yeah, there it goes. Usually present with ghost sightings. Oh yeah, there's something here alright. Look over here. This rocking chair seemed to move by itself. Oh yeah. And look over there. I think... Yeah, I definitely feel cold. I think this place might be legitimate. The shadows in this place seem a little creepy. Who knows? We might find a real haunting here. Do you think that... Well, maybe there might be something in this house after all? Tune in at 7 o'clock on Friday to find out if this place is a legitimate phenomenon. Or if we're just, um... Oh, look! More cold. This is fascinating. Well, good luck and happy hunting. Hello there, Minglings. Mingling Brothers Circus. <laughs> Here's what we got. We got installment part two in our Evil Dead duology for tonight. Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Dead by Dawn! Dead by Dead Dawn! Dead by Dawn! <laughs> I think my buddy Brett Collins kind of sums this movie up. He called and left us a message. Here's what he had to say about it. Bobby Joe! Where are you, girl? Bobby Joe! Bobby Joe! That's right, Brett. That's right. You know, it's it's easily my favorite of the trilogy. Um, you know, and I know a lot of people would say, no, no, the original. And you you can make a decent argument for that. But for me, Evil Dead 2 has the, the right mix of just the craziness that is Sam Raimi, the craziness that is Bruce Campbell, and the, the horror elements that made the first one so great. And up next, just like always, giving us an IMBD reading, once again, here's Mickey Mouse. Evil Dead 2, a 1987 movie, rated X, 84 minutes long, fantasy, horror, comedy, the lone survivor of an onslaught of flash-possessing spirits holds up in a cabin with a group of strangers while the demons continue their attack. 7.8 out of 10, it's got the famous actor, you guessed it, Thomas Kidd. The best quote of the movie is, We are the things that were and shall be again. Ha Spears of the book, we want what is yours. Life, dead by dawn, dead by dawn. All right. All right. Thank you, Mickey Mouse. And for all you dyslexic fans out there, Y-K-C-I-M-E-S-U-O-M. Yeah, I don't think you can really beat the second one. It's it's just a whole ball of awesome. And I'm going to even tell Danny something he's never known about this either. Evil Dead 2 is the first one I saw. I just didn't know what it was. I had found this videotape at the house that either my mom or somebody had recorded. And when the movie starts... It's right after they pull out of the tunnel at the beginning. So there was no beginning of it. It didn't say the name. It's just them driving around, driving down the road in the car. I saw Evil Dead 2 without knowing what Evil Dead 2 was because it wasn't labeled on the tape or anything. This is the first movie that I took to other people's houses and were like, you got to watch this movie. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. And That's it wasn't awesome. until later on... When I built up the courage to buy some videotapes and I bought Evil Dead and I got to watching it and I was like, oh, wait a minute. This has got that same guy in it that's in that crazy movie. So I still didn't know what Evil Dead 2 was till after I got through Evil Dead and I started putting it all together. That this was Evil Dead 2 that I saw first. I took it to a buddy's house. We watched it like five times in a row. We just couldn't get over how crazy this movie was and didn't have the slightest idea what it was. Well, and I had I had an opportunity to see Evil Dead Two in the theater. Um, they they played it at the the Belcourt Twin, which is uh, here in Nashville on a Halloween, and it is just it's an incredible movie. I mean, like like we said, the first one, the cinematography is 
it's it's crisper because they had more money to work with. Right. But it still has the same innovation that, that makes you know Sam Raimi's camera work unlike any other. I mean, I've heard it compared to Barry Sonnenfeld because I think they they work together on a couple of things, and uh, and it's very true. It's got a lot of really tight shots. It has a lot of motion. It isn't so realistic. Right. It just it it takes you where the action is and it leaves you right in the middle of it. It's like a horror movie, but it's got that weird, funky feel of like what Wizard of Oz has. There's something just a little off that may, almost makes it feel like a fairy tale feeling type movie. Know what I mean? With the characters and everything, the 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 creatures, well, they they almost have a cartoony fantasy feel to them. Yeah, I've, I've got in my nose right here that that uh, Evil Dead Two picks up so fast. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, they they drive to the cabin. You see the cabin. It's framed up right in the middle there. Uh, and then they're they're in they're in love. You know, like you said, it's very fairy tale. She's dancing and he's playing the piano. Right. And he gives her this 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 locket, or he gives her this this lens, the looking necklace. glass. Yeah. Yep. And and it just it it's like trying to tell the story without words. All the dialogue is so trite that it's just you know it's like well what would you do if you had a romantic getaway? It doesn't try very hard to challenge you on that. It's just hey by the way this guy and his girl are here in this cabin. Let's not ask why they're in this cabin because it looks really, really scary. But you know they're they're just gonna hang around there. He's playing piano. He's giving her gifts. He's gonna go get the champagne. <laughs> I think what blows me away about it too is you think about the way Evil Dead ends, like we talked about a while ago, and this one kind of picks up from that point as well. It kind of gives you the backstory, but then at the end of the Evil Dead, when you see the camera rush up to Bruce Campbell and it cuts off, from here it picks him up and it shows you what happens beyond that point. So it's almost like a continuation of the story instead of necessarily... A lot of people call it a remake. You know, he remade the first movie, and for about ten minutes he did, and then it just becomes its own thing. Well, he, he set up a new story... I guess there was no story to go from the original. He he wanted to start back over with with some um, unwitting protagonists, and uh, so he just stuck some people in that same cabin. And you're right, he gets picked up, and boy does he ever get picked up. <laughs> he gets picked up, flipped upside down, carried all the way through the the woods, and and thrown into a pool where he's already possessed. How do you and even explain that camera work, too, man? That they did that with? That's insane. It, it's like it, it's like a walleye fast forward stop motion. It it, it almost looks like um, time lapse photography. His yeah. face is blurry, you know, and, and there's like a going on while he's doing it. It's just it's really really just strange. Yeah, I mean, I just I I've say, never seen anything like it. Yeah, it, it's it's as horrific as it is funny. And and you know, again with the fast pickup, they're there, they're in love. She gets taken. By, he he turns on the tape recorder, of course, which is the the kiss of death. No, no, and, no! Uh, it starts. It starts reading the incantation, and the specter comes out of the woods and and takes Linda. And this is all in the first five minutes of the movie. It's it's yep. it's it hasn't even really begun, and already you know she's been taken. He's fought her. The rotten apple dance starts not too far from there where she's been beheaded and buried and she's come up decomposed right. and she's dancing around and that's before he even gets possessed. Right. Yeah, I mean that's she she disappears and then she becomes possessed, comes after him, he chops her head off, he buries her. He's in the house, he's going insane, then she jumps up and starts dancing. That's right. And and the the name of that dance, the rotten apple dance. Yeah. It, it it's in the credits. And it's a stop motion, you know. Yep. That, that's that was the special effects of the time, and and it was a stop motion uh, decomposing girl with a head that had been chopped off that rolls around, and it's <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> it's there's again, we're gonna say there's nothing else like it. No, there's not. I mean, you're not gonna find that in in, in any other movie from from that time. No. No, oh, just over the top craziness. I mean, just it's entertaining. It's funny. It's creepy all at the same time. Then her little ah when she jumps off to the side. Yeah, yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> you know? What's up with that? What's up with What's that? What's up with that? But really, I mean, she's she's dancing and then she just oh, like yep. she's one of the witches from Beastmaster. Right. Or something. 
Then all of a sudden he's looking out the window and she just grabs him. Or the two rubber arms grab him. <laughs> Come to me, lover. And she starts slamming his head into the boards, which is all, you know, Bruce Campbell doing his best three stooges. Well, and, and then there's the, the hand sequence where his hand goes bad on him. Oh, yeah. That's he classic. has to fight his own hand. All this is just physical work done by Bruce Campbell. Right. Where he's just beating himself up for the sake of the movie. It is he, Three Stooges, He's a one-man show. Right. It's, it's Three Stooges, the whole, you know, the shimp, you know, because they make shimp references in all the Sam Raimi movies. But he's basically doing a shimp act where he flips himself and punches himself and, you know, his hand's possessed. And uh, farewell to arms. Yeah, that's that's another cute little Sam Raimiism there. He, he chops off his hand and puts it under a bucket, and then in order to weigh the bucket down, he throws down a book, and it's Fair a farewell to arms. arms. <laughs> Classic. So in the meantime, you've got the daughter of the uh, ill-fated professor and his wife, uh, who's, who's on her way there with uh, her boyfriend from the airport. You know it's the airport because there's what, like there's a, a taxiing out plane and... <laughs> noises in the background (laughs) and how are they going to get up to the the cabin with the bridge out take the long way home they got to take the long well bobby joe's got to show them oh yeah i was gonna say sheena and the zebra you know she could could probably have have done it you know come around the back way (laughs) yes ma'am ah uh, there's a double (laughs) meaning in that the next reason to watch the movie bobby joe Bobby Joe! Bobby Joe comes in. She's a guide through the woods. She brings the professor's uh, daughter and her beau out there, along with Jake. And they make it uh, into a, a... They're in a collision course with wackiness to go uh, to go see Ash up at the cabin. And another reason, you just said it, Jake. Danny Hicks, Jake. man. He's awesome in this movie. Bobby Joe! <laughs> Where are you, girl? Just all of his lines in general. He just—he's one of those standout guys. You see him in a lot of Sam Raimi stuff. And he—and he's in the background, you know, just kind of kind of mugging half the time. Like they're doing something, and he's out there making sure to show off his his bubba teeth. Right. Which I don't know. I guess they're not real. <laughs> no, no. I remember not. him in Dark Man. He didn't look like that. Right. Well, we got to see him in Chicago just recently. So. Yeah, he didn't look like that then. No. I say another reason to watch this movie, this is the beginning of K&B effects, man. You watch Walking Dead, that's the guys that did the effects for this movie. This is where they started. I mean, they were involved with other things before, but this is really where that company comes together that has created all this great stuff since then. This is where it started. So, And there's some crazy stuff in this movie, effects-wise. Even the laughing deer head is amazing. Well, I mean, and Tom Sullivan, uh, his stuff from the the first one, is uh, is cataloged as well. I think that he did the um, the stop motion Ash's hand going bad thing, right? They 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 drew it on with pencil or yeah, probably they, they drew it on with like ballpoint pen. Yeah, and it you know that was how high tech that whole thing was. But <laughs> and Tom Sullivan has his place in my heart because he read me a bedtime story. Absolutely. Well, what's another reason? How about the chainsaw? Absolutely, that's this is the beginning of Bruce Campbell, the legend. Well, and, and let's let's look at this. You know, this didn't predate Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No. So Chainsaw still had a had a love affair with horror at this point, but but I think that that Bruce Campbell and the chainsaw and the bad hand and the chainsaw hand and him becoming Ashbow. Uh, and going down in the basement, you know that it's it's when you you take over your fear, and I think at that point, you know, that's one of the reasons I like this movie of, of the three of them is because it starts out being pretty horrific, and they and they're powerless against it. Well, it ends up with one guy, you know, just saying, "Oh, screw this! I'm going to become a badass now." Right. So it's just like the same reason we like Rocky. It's the same reason we like Chief Brody and Jaws. It's the same reason we like Spring Hill Jack. Spring Hill Jack, you know, that, that bounces back. With twice the jack this time. Right. So, beyond the chainsaw <laughs> connection, beyond the the uh, the wine cellar, let's go carve uh, ourselves up a witch. That's right. So there's there's another reason to see the movie right there. Henrietta. Henrietta. H- Henrietta in the cellar. You know, 
around the time you think, well, you know, this can't get much worse, the uh, they they go back to the recording. Still a bad <laughs> idea. And he says, "God help me! I buried her in the earthen floor of the wine cellar, the fruit cellar, the fruit cellar. They don't have wine. They're too busy resurrecting demons." <laughs> And she pops up out of the ground and ashes down there. He goes, ah! <laughs> That's just classic. Oh, it's, it's, it's bad stuff. <laughs> and just the whole fight scene between them is just classic. I mean, her swinging over, over everybody's head when she comes up out of the cellar and comes up, you know, to the top and... It's just, just crazy stuff, man. I can only imagine. I can only imagine what it would be like to film that stuff. It would just be people flying around in the middle of the room and people swinging at them like they're a pinata. <laughs> and it's Ted Raimi dressed up as Henrietta. And you, if you watch the special features on the DVD, he had the lenses in so he couldn't see. He's in this full body suit. And he was sweating so profusely, man, that they would pull the fake feet off and just dump just gallons of sweat out of this stuff. Totally nasty. I'm sure he told their mom, too. Oh, yeah. You know you know he did. I'm, I'm sure he did. <laughs> I think another reason to watch this movie, when evil becomes flesh, when they read the, the, the part of the book that makes all the evil come together in flesh so you can fight it, and the fact of the head comes through the doorway, the arms come through the window, it's this huge body, and you're really only seeing the, the head of it or whatever, I still think that looks great. You know, and, and that's why we're friends, because, uh, you know, in my, in my 10 that I just put together, the next one is the vortex and evil personified right, right. here. Because yeah. that thing, I mean, you're right. You're right. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like that Spirit of Christmas episode of Tales from the Dark Side. He's got the hands coming in from either side, and it ain't Santa Claus. But yeah, they have to give it form so they can kill it. That's right. Or take it, or send it into another place in time. So, right, right. Which is probably a better move than trying to kill it because it it was pretty unkillable. Right. Well, that's that's really. If we're hitting the high points. That's my tenth point right there. I mean, oh no, man, you gotta you gotta do the the ending. Then, well, I was going to say other than Ash getting sucked into the, right. the past, which is the vortex there. Right. So you go right. through this whole thing of reading the book, and he doesn't believe, oh, it's a bunch of cockamamie. And then he points out a picture that's in there. It's supposed to be the chosen one that saves the people from the evil. Guess what? He's the chosen one, just like Eddie Murphy. Just like Eddie Murphy. And his hand is so bad just by itself. That it kills the chick. That's right. It's got that bone dagger made out of the spinal cord that we got to see when we met Tom Sullivan too. Right. And uh, and and you know she's she finishes reading the incantation. Kanda. Kanda. And and he looks and and what's in her back? The knife. Because his hand dagger. Because even Ash's hand is more badass than everybody else in the cabin. Right. This is true. Yeah, I don't know how it sees, but it gets around really well. Yeah, so it it you know it it sucks him through into the dark ages, and uh, a bunch of knights are, are are trying to beat up his car with their swords, you know. And oh, what is this? What is this? And then uh, this this demon comes flying in. He takes the shotgun. He takes out that demon, and uh, they all start hailing him. Hail! Hail! No! 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 <laughs> yeah. That, that's about as good an ending as you're going to get. That's right. Man, this movie to me, I mean, this is really the movie that that made me a diehard horror fan. I mean, I liked scary stuff before, but this is the one where after watching it, I wanted to go to the store and rent anything I could get my hands on that was considered a horror movie, thinking that something might be as entertaining as this one was. And and watch this movie. You know, if you're listening to this, you've never watched Evil Dead 2, just watch it. Heck yeah. Just, just put it in and watch it and and just go on a ride, because it right. is a roller coaster, and it will take you, it, it'll, it'll make you laugh, and it'll make you scream, and it's going to make you cry, cringe. <laughs> it's going to make you cringe. Yeah. 
It'll, it'll make you yell Bobby Joe in the middle of the night. Absolutely. Bobby Joe! But, you know, all those things. It's classic. It's an automatic 10 for me. And speaking of 10, since since we pointed out, we'll, we'll go through the 10 reasons, the 10 things to, to watch for in Evil Dead 2. And I'm going to have to say the first 15 minutes of it is a, is a point all in itself. Right. It tells a little love story. It, it tells a little story of possession. There's the, the rotten apple dance. He fights off. He gets possessed. He gets thrown into a, a puddle. And then he fights off the, uh, the demon that's possessed him because of love again. And that's all in the first 15 minutes. You got people talking about the, the first five minutes uh, up or whatever being the best love story ever. Well, how about this? They probably haven't seen this because this <laughs> blows it away. <laughs> I was crying. <sighs> okay, the, you know, the, the next thing, the bridge. You got yep. the, the fakey little bridge, and then you got the fakey broken bridge. Awesome stuff. I mean, right. It looks fantastic. A little, little toy car running across it. It's good stuff. Then I got the mirror. Like, oh, he yeah. goes crazy again. He's, he's talking to himself in the mirror. He's trying to talk himself down. Okay, you're all right. And then he jumps out of the mirror and, and grabs himself. And, and the, the ash from the mirror is just kind of crazy looking. Yep. He's got like an extra chin or something. He's just weird looking. And he says... We just chopped up our girlfriend. Does that sound fine? And then he's choking himself. Yep. It's good stuff. Ash has bad luck with mirrors in all the movies. He does. Well, I think mirrors are a vessel for his his enemy there. Uh, and I've just got crazy. You know, he, he goes completely crazy oh, in that yeah. cabin. Everything in the cabin's laughing. The books, the the antelope head on the wall, the the rocking chair. Yep. Everything. I've always thought that uh, when George Harrison did the video for I Got My Mindset on You, that video is like the Evil Dead 2 crazy scene because the books totally are dancing, is. the squirrel is playing the saxophone or smoking a pipe. You choose whatever you think it is. And uh, yeah, it's an it's a Evil Dead ripoff. You're absolutely right. I hadn't thought about that connection until now, but I know that video, and you're you're absolutely right. I'm I'm upset with George. That's why I said it, because I know I'm right. Next up, <laughs> you got the hand. You want Ash to fight his own hand for a while? That's right. I mean, and w- when we fight our hands, it's different. You That's know, right. I might fight my hand to make sure it gets washed or, you know, fight my hand because I got arthritis. But not, not Bruce Campbell. Not Ash. Just for his the record, hand, I, I've, I've never seen Danny fight his hand, and nor do I want to. Oh, he has. No, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, if I did fight my hand, it would be like Bruce Campbell. Wait a minute, your hand would be like Bruce Campbell, or I've I've got a little tattoo of Bruce Campbell on my hand. Oh, okay. And it says groovy. <laughs> Come on, fight me! I'm your hand. I mean, Bruce Campbell. This has gone <laughs> way off. <clears throat> he chops off his own hand. Gotta see that. Next thing, Bobby, Joe, and Jake. Yep. Comedy gold. The two of them are leading them. Hey, we can lead you there. No problem. Come on with us. All you got to do and is carry think- our baggage. Oh, yeah. It's another gag. It's another one of those those uh, you know farewell to arms little, uh, little gags of Sam Raimi. All you have to do is carry our bags. No problem. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> wah, wah. Thought you just had that little bag. Dag name it. After that, I got chainsaw. Because you know what happens when your hand goes bad? You replace it with a chainsaw. That's right. Then I've got Henrietta in the cellar. Because yep. Henrietta is gold all the way through. Yep. Even when, you know, like, even when that monkey thing comes out of the ground and they chop it off at the neck and and it just kind of becomes a like a like a balloon sprouting green stuff. It's not as good as Henrietta, <laughs> but it's pretty good. <laughs> Swallow your soul. Swallow your soul. Swallow this. <laughs> and then um, the the monster, the the evil personified, you know, with the giant skull face and right. hands. I mean, it, it basically becomes everything outside the cabin. The only thing I can put close to the category of this is what you see is kind of like the the tree in Poltergeist. Really, I already said it. It was like that episode of Tales from the Dark Side. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Tales from the Dark Side. But the tree from, from Poltergeist is pretty good, too, because that thing... Kind of this, it, well, it, because that hand reaches in and grabs. Yeah. And it's yeah, kind of like right. the same thing. And, and, man, Sam Raimi loves breaking glass. Oh, yeah. 
uh, breaking glass windows to come in and obsess people. He loves it. And so Toby Hooper loved it, too. Right. If, that, if, Toby, if Toby Hooper directed it, there's a controversy there. Toby Hooper directed it. That Well, that it says it on the box. There's been rumors over the year that he really didn't, so... Why would it say it on the box if he didn't? But you remember the name above that? Steven Spielberg Presents. So, I don't know. There's always been a legend about uh, Hooper didn't do as much as you think he did. I think I've heard that before, that Hooper didn't do... The life force, do. that's a different story. Yeah, it's totally different. There wasn't a family or anything. <laughs> Ain't no vampires in Poltergeist. Or, but there was in Salem's Lot. Heck yeah. When Toby Hooper directed that. Yeah, he did. So we got our, our top 10, 11, 12 things to, to watch for in Evil Dead. Watch the whole damn thing. Yeah, there's it's no totally reason there's it. no reason to skip anything in this movie. This is iconic as it gets, man. This is on anybody's horror list. This should be in the top 10 of anybody's list. It's just... Uh, yeah. Wait just a minute. We didn't mention the eyeball. Oh, yeah. I mean, the eyeball, the, 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 the skull getting, getting Absolutely. stomped. Eyeball yeah. flying across the room. Yep. The, the the lady screaming, and then the eyeball goes down her throat. Right. I, I, I I'm lax. That's straight off it. of Three Stooges, man. There's an actual video that you can see exactly where they ripped it off from. Yeah. When when uh, Curly gets the eyeball down her throat. Yeah, and then, that's exactly yeah. it. Hey Mo, hey Mo, I got an eyeball down my throat. Then he, he flies up in the air and he says, "You will die." <laughs> Sweetly, I'm not going to die at numbskull. This movie's classic, I, folks. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know why we waited this long to get to this movie. We tried to stay out of the horror stuff a bit, but since we started talking about Sam Raimi, we can't help it, man. We love these movies. Just the dark humor in this thing. It's the first movie I remember where you were supposed to think, hey, this is this is kind of funny, you know? And uh, that's what really stood out to me about it. It was It's a fun movie. Yeah, it might be a precursor to you know uh, Peter Jackson's oh, absolutely. Uh, splat stick kind of stuff. Absolutely, you know, like there's so much gore it was over the top. Reanimator, same yep. kind of movie, you know, same vibe. Which we'll get to that one later on too. That's a big favorite of mine. And uh, this one's just, you know, like I said, it should be on anybody's top ten list. It's just that good. I will give it ten flying eyeballs out of ten. I'll give it ten Henriettas in the fruit cellar. It's your sister Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl Crow. Cheryl and Finn. Cheryl and Finn. Yeah. All right. Sherry we'll be. Terry. <laughs> oh, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. All right, folks. We'll be right back. Do you need help getting to your destination? Can't seem to find the lodging you're looking for? Are you plain old lost and stuck in the mud? Then just give us a call. Bobby Joe's Tour and Toll. We can help you out. We know the good ways, the bad ways, even the hidden ways to get you to your destination. Shoot, we can get you there fast. Even carry your bags for you for a small cost of 40 bucks. A hundred dollars. Nobody knows this area like Bobby Joe and me. So if you don't have a ride, no problemo. <laughs> we can even pick you up at the airport. That's Bobby Joe's Tour and Tow, ready to service you. If you need a tour, if you need a tow, dial 1-800-BOBBY-JOE! <laughs> All right, everybody, that's it for us. Hope you had a good time. These are classics. You can't go wrong with them. Give a little love to the original Evil Dead. It's the original. In part two, it's just crazy, wacky, over-the-top entertainment. Yeah, if you're out there giving a bad review to these movies, then you need to, to step back and, and realize that you know, they were made um, under circumstances that they, you know, nobody makes movies under anymore. You might be looking at them with entirely too critical an eye because you know there are lots of movies that are a lot cleaner looking and maybe have more you know, fluid dialogue, but they don't come together nearly as well. So take a step back, look at the whole picture, and I bet you'll find that it, it holds its own against you know some of the better horror movies today. 
And we can't say it enough. Sam Raimi, he's a genius. I, I can't say it enough. He's a genius. Yep. I mean, just hands down, incredible work. So, tickle to get to talk about these, man. Uh, I These are the ones that really got me going as far as horror stuff. These are the ones I started sharing with other people. Just awesome, awesome stuff. Just uh, want to remind everybody, next week, or at the time you're listening to this, we'll be in Texas having a big time and uh, hopefully going to throw a show together from there. Looking forward to doing that. And uh, Danny, you got anything else? Oh, just uh, thanks for listening. Um, remember to give love to our compatriots at Legion Podcasts and uh, keep on listening because we'll keep on making them as long as you do. That's right. We'll keep on making the donuts. Till next time, see ya. <laughs> You listen to it for some reason. The Wes Craven connection. Is that is that like that movie with Dustin Hoffman where yes. it gets his teeth robe? It's the Wes Craven connection. Is it safe, Wes Craven? <laughs> oh, I hear a blooper reel coming on. Oh, are we recording? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Hello there, Deadites. Welcome back to Flashdance. Two. And- <laughs> That's right. A Christmas Carol by Sam Raimi and Judd. Two. You might remember them as cannibalistic underground. Humanoid. Cannibalistic. Cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. With Peter Sellers. Underground dwellers with Peter Sellers. And Peter Weller. And Peter Weller, who is known as Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going nowhere fast. <laughs> Shut up, Linda! <laughs> <laughs>